Hi, everybody. It's uh, Al Condalusi from the Interdependence Network, and you're plugged into the You Can Call Me Al podcast. And this is episode three, which is really going to focus on loneliness and social isolation and what we're becoming to know about those, those phenomena and more what we might be able to do about it. Um, uh, my guests today are Jeff Fromnick from Side Project uh, uh, Incorporated and uh, Jamie Curran from Community Living Mississauga. And, uh, you know, this notion of social isolation and loneliness is really getting much more attention. In fact, uh, recently, a Cigna insurance company came out with a, a study that discovered that close to 43% of Americans, uh, this was with a sample of 20,000 people, not with disabilities, but just a generic study, discovered 43% of folks were lonely, according to the survey that used the UCLA loneliness scale. Uh, Further, we're discovering that social isolation is growing and is rampant uh, for um, for, for people today, and certainly for people with disabilities and other devaluing phenomena that surround their lives. Um, so what we want to talk about today is uh, social isolation and loneliness. And, and Jeff, maybe we'll start with you in terms of just this general notion of isolation and loneliness. What, what, what's it say to you? What, what, what's your experience been and what, what are some thoughts you might have about this particular topic? Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is something that, you know, we've talked a lot about, I think you've included in a lot of your presentations, is this idea that loneliness can kill, right? I mean, I think it was Putnam and his Bowling Alone book that says, you know, loneliness can be more harmful to your health than, than smoking. For, for some folks. That's correct, yes. Um, and I, I, I've recently been, I'm not through the book yet, but I've been reading this book called Tribe. Mm-hmm. You read this I by have. Sebastian yes, yes, yeah. uh, Unger. Unger. Yeah. And you know, in, in that book, he really talks about how we're driven from a very sort of biological, innate level to be a part of a tribe, to, mm-hmm. to have other people in, in our tribe that we can um, turn to and search for them. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in that book is not just being around people, right. but being around people and working towards something, mm-hmm. whether it's overcoming some struggle or figure, you know, yeah. going through some difficult situation. Um, there's just a lot of value in, in being, being with other people, yeah. you know, yeah. and I know from my own experience moving, you know, 1500 miles away from my family and everything, you know, it's very lonely. Yes. You know, when you don't, you right. don't have anyone you're used mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, going out to anywhere and running into people you know versus, you know, going out and just being, a str- everyone's a stranger. I mean, even, you know, you go to a bar, and this is kind of the idea, you know, we've talked about before, being of a party or, or at a party or sort of being involved in something. And, you know, we're, there's, we're all, it's not that we're all alone, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's lots of people around us at all mm-hmm. times. But I don't think we're—I don't think we have the same type of. I don't think most people have the same type of relationships. Uh, and clearly, the Sigma study has demonstrated that you know that people feel disconnected, mm-hmm. even with all this technology we yeah, have. Right. Where in an instant I can text you or I can mm-hmm. video chat right. you. Right. Uh, but we sort of still feel lonely. Yeah. And so, I mean, some of it I wonder is how much of people 
you know, expectations of mm-hmm. what they should be and, and what they are. And, uh, but, you know, I, I do think there's something to be said about it. I, I just think that mm-hmm. people aren't, aren't doing it, aren't connected as much right. anymore. Right. And there seems to be so little time, free time out there. Yeah. You know, so much of our, yeah. our lives are scheduled. Yeah. Um, that it's it's hard to find time. I mean, I have a, a, Jamie has kids. I have a, a daughter, and so it's hard to, to make that time that's necessary to, to build relationships. Yeah, and I, I I totally agree. I know me and and Maria, my wife, talk about this often. Like, we have two young boys, and we're a busy family. Like, they play sports and they go to school, and mm-hmm. so most of our evenings are you come home and you unpack lunches, you eat, you do dishes, you repack lunches, you do homework, you, yeah. before you know it, it's 10 o'clock and it's yeah. time for bed, and right. you wake up and do it all again the next day, and we, mm-hmm. the idea that people are time poor, yeah, like the, there's a poverty in time because you're scheduled so much, so right. we'll say that we don't really do stuff from Monday to Friday, it's just yeah. we come home and we're in our house, so we're yeah. not in our community, yeah. Right. Yeah. and for us... Luckily, we have kids who are active in sports, so that turns into a social outlet for parents. And in Canada, hockey's a big, big sport. Yeah. And they think, oh, kids love hockey tournaments. I'm like, parents love them more. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you're going away, and you're yeah. staying in a hotel, yeah. and you're yeah. hanging out with other parents, yeah. and you're having fun. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I know, I mean, my parents, you know, I have a little brother who's 10 years younger, and he played baseball all through yeah. high school. And, you know, my parents got a, a really strong group of friends from all these baseball tournaments. Right. You know, and, and when my brother went off to college, you know, there was a whole mm-hmm. bunch of parents that were like, yeah. hey, yeah. what do we do what now? We do now? <laughs> you know, we're, yeah. we're used to spending two weeks yeah. in Youngstown yeah. or wherever yeah. for this baseball yeah. tournament. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what, you, what you're saying is, you know, sort of, I think there, you, you have some other opportunities to connect. Yeah. You know, there's opportunities there. There's. There's a reason and, why you're all in this and, and Yeah, and the idea that we're all longing to connect. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting when you think about this. Uh, you know, you, you, you hear the phrase social isolation and loneliness uh, used a lot, especially, Jeff, you, you acknowledge that public health uh, officials are now seeing um, loneliness and social isolation as, as a public health epidemic. That literally, when people are rendered uh, isolated, they're at great risk and, and at great risk uh, and of dying. the whole dying. community is. I mean, when you look at a lot of these shooters and these yes. mass shootings that happen, right. a lot of times it's someone that has lived a very isolated right. life. You know, mm-hmm. your friends provide, a, or good friends at least, provide a good check mm-hmm. on what you're doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you have a group of friends you see every weekend, you show up one weekend, your hair's not done or you're wearing right. tighter clothes, you're going to be like, yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Why don't you do your laundry? Yeah. Or if you you know you start to gain some weight, your buddies yeah. are going to point right. it out. And right. yeah, I mean it's a little bit of ribbing and teasing, yeah. but right. it sort of keeps keeps right. you in check because yes. you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's a mirror uh, to to your well being. But right, you know the interesting thing when you when you dig a little deeper, um, social isolation and loneliness as as concepts are certainly related, but they are unique. That is, you can. You can be lonely even though you're well-connected at, mm-hmm. at, at certain times. Uh, uh, when I, I do a fair amount of traveling, when I'm traveling, I'm, you know, I'm by myself, I'm in some great city, uh, but I'm, I'm lonely. I, I'm, even though I have abundant social capital, I, I miss them, so I'm, I'm lonely, but I'm not socially isolated. Right. 
on the other side of the coin, you can you can be amidst you can be socially connected and then still feel lonely. Uh, you look at the suicides, the high-profile suicides that that have happened um, recently, where celebrities or people who seemingly have this glamorous life and they all these people around them and they know and and then take their own life because they're they're lonely so so it's it's a phenomena that really is uh important for us to 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 think about and to look at yeah jamie what do you think some of the antecedent factors are that can that can lead to loneliness or isolation are there some things that we as as human service professionals or people interested in seeing folks connected, are there some things we can think about that might set the stage for somebody to be lonely or isolated? Like it means like some things that we're doing now that's causing well, the loneliness either, or isolation yeah, or things I mean, we do to a, Or things we, we should be we should doing, doing that to might lessen, lessen it. Yeah, isolation. absolutely. And I, I think what... What happens a lot, like I, I look back at the history of the support we provide, mm-hmm. and when people moved out of institutions, where they were in big institutions of thousands of people, and they, they left the institutions in Ontario and moved to 24-hour support group homes. Some of them could have been mm-hmm. um, uh, large enough to, for 10, 12 right. people to live there. Right. And in Mississauga, years and years ago, we made a, we made a commitment to make sure no more than four people lived together. Mm-hmm. And which it's difficult with the financial constraints that mm-hmm. to, to support all those different homes. But as people became more independent, they had more responsibility to look after themselves and people moved into so to supported independent living. Mm-hmm. And what that ended up meaning was that people got even less support. So they got support just for the bare minimums. Mm-hmm. So what what ended up happening was someone who had a lot of life skills. And they could take the bus to work, and they could clean their house and do some grocery shopping. They may only get four or five hours of support a week just to kind of make sure everything's going okay. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time, they end up being alone because we never put in any emphasis on the importance of supporting social relationships. We're like, you know, they can take care of themselves, so they're going to be okay. But what they weren't doing, we weren't supporting people to be a part of their communities. Right. Mm-hmm. They were isolated in their homes, and they were the people that would have probably benefit the most from having more social support or having more social connections. So I think a focus on support that includes the social connections and the importance of of relationships in people's lives, I think often people overlook that importance. And I think even in our own lives, at times we are at risk of forgetting how important the relationships we have are in our lives. Mm -hmm. And we kind of take that for granted. Mm -hmm. If we have lots of social capital, if we have lots of connections, if we're out in the community a lot doing lots of things, we can kind of take for granted that not everyone has that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, I'm a very fortunate man. I have a, a great family. I'm one of five five kids in my family. My wife's one of four. Mm-hmm. There's lots of cousins around and aunts and uncles. And so we have lots of connections to our communities and we're active in our community, but it's easy to forget that other people don't have that. And I think if we take our own relationships for granted, they can slip away pretty easily too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's both, you know, the the personal work that one has mm-hmm. to do, but also then in a broader sense, there's the there's the whole community piece. Um, you know, we at class uh, in, in in Pittsburgh, um, we've uh, we we did a um, uh, some field research on uh, 
on engagement and connectedness, you know, that, that, that stepstone to combating isolation and loneliness. That means you have to be engaged. Uh, and we looked at engagement patterns of uh, families who have children with disabilities compared to families who have children um, similar age and gender but, but do not have a disability label. And we used the um, Social Capital Community Benchmarking Survey uh, that, that examines uh, patterns of involvement in community. And what we discovered, and we're in the process of writing this up now, it hasn't been published yet, but uh, we hope that uh, we'll have this published uh, soon. But what we discovered was that um, the families who had children with disabilities were less engaged. They didn't go out as much. They weren't as involved in their communities as families who have children without disabilities. And when we probed a little bit deeper, we discovered that there were three things that were at the core uh, of rationale of why families who had children with disabilities didn't go out. One of them was economics. They just didn't have the disposable dollars, uh, which tells us that disability is expensive. If you have somebody in your family who has a disability, there's probably additional costs that the family has to deal with. The second was logistics, the second reason, that it was just hard for families to get out and be out. Um, and then the third was social stigma, that families who did go out with their child with a disability really didn't feel welcomed there. I wondered what your thoughts are uh, on these three things or any of these three things in your own experience, either as a professional or even personally. Yeah, I mean, the thing that it sort of sad, saddens me because, you know, when I first started working with you at class, you know, my, my job was in the, the kids department, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, for those of you who don't know class and, and what they did with their kids department is they got kids that had disabilities, they got them involved in community activities, inclusive community activities based on the kids' interests. So mm -hmm. whether it was soccer or arts or bowling or uh, archery or whatever got the kids involved and my role was sort of to collect some data on it so I, I did you know I called a bunch of the families that we had worked with mm -hmm. and I asked them some questions uh, I said are you still involved in the activity if so why not mm -hmm. and um, you know those three answers were very mm -hmm. common amongst all yeah. the families I spoke yeah. with you know no we didn't stay involved well why not well we couldn't afford it or it was hard to get there right. um, or you know we didn't like the way we were treated now our, our kids program you know tried to address all three of those you know mm -hmm. we were able to at the time we were able to provide money mm -hmm. for the families to get right. engaged right. in activity we provided support for the family which from you know the hundred or two hundred parents i spoke with was Far and away, the most uh, what they got the most out of the project was the the support that they were given from the the staff at, at in the kids programming, which wasn't just social workers or whatever. I mean, it was parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, th this program was yeah. staffed by parents of kids right. with disabilities that had gone through this, had you know advocated for inclusion and. And it, you know, they really felt like that was someone in their corner. Mm -hmm. So then when they mm -hmm. went to the YMCA yes. and they tried to get their kid involved and the, the YMCA said, well, we have special soccer, the mom could sort of look mm -hmm. at our staff and say, help. Yes. And our staff would right. step up and say, great, yeah, keep your special it. soccer, but we want to be in this one right. with right. our neighborhood <laughs> yes. kids. So, I mean, it's it's sad that, you know, that, that still continues that, that those 
those factors are still there, but I, I don't think it's completely, uh, un, you know, surprising, mm-hmm. right? I mean, those, yeah. those I think, are factors but, that... But you just identified, though, Jeff, there are some interventions that can mitigate, that can mitigate those three things. Bit. And, yeah. uh, you know, we would do well to think more about that. Jamie, what, what, what's been your experience with, um, you know, the folks you support or even your own personal experience with uh, isolation, loneliness, and the factors that seem to contribute to them? Yeah, when I look at those, those factors, the money, the logistics, the stigma, or mm-hmm. the, the feeling welcomed, and I think they do, they do all apply. And in the last year and a half, and we've, we've facilitated parent groups for quite a number of years, and in the last year and a half, we've been doing a, a project with Community in Ontario, and we developed a family engagement group, which we, we call Parent Connections Help. Mm-hmm. And it's really a, a point to bring all parents together to share those, those concerns or their successes or something that they, they really want to work on. And all those points hit with those yeah. parents. It's expensive. Even yes. the, the logistics of meeting on a Saturday morning is difficult. Right. I think a lot of times we, we may take for granted that if I want to go out and I have to go to a meeting on a Saturday morning, that nothing else really needs to happen. As long as Maria's at home, yeah. I'm good to go. Right. But if you want a parent to come out to a meeting on a Saturday, they have to arrange support for their right. son or daughter. Right. And that can be outside of the budget that they yes. have is a different yes. meeting. Yes. So those little logistics, and yeah. then when you hear parents tell stories of not feeling welcomed at community mm-hmm. events and community venues, and I think that happens quite a bit. And one of the ways we've really looked at that in Mississauga is when we're talking with our support staff and they're supporting people to look for places and things to do in, in the community, it's, it's really not just about the activity. Mm-hmm. It's like, like Jeff was mentioning, it's not just about the soccer, but it's about the environment or the community that you're in, that subgroup. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking to, to support people, we want to make sure we're giving them options that not only provide them an outlet to share their interests w- with other people, mm-hmm. but there's also an opportunity to build a relationship or a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, if it's someone interested in taking a yoga class and we know that people show up five minutes before the class and then you're not allowed to talk because you're exercising and they leave right after the class, then there's not a lot of chance to build a relationship there. So if someone's interested in yoga, what else can they do around that interest where they can meet other people and connect with other people? So it's really changing that mindset Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. what type of things do we want to look for if we want relationship building to be the core of everything that we're doing. There you you have it. Uh, there, There are some ways that we can intervene. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you have some thoughts on this, we'd love to hear them. We'd love them to be posted um, uh, on the the Interdependence uh, Network website, which is www.buildingsocialcapital.org. And put out some of your thoughts on this. I mean, these are vexing issues that there's no one answer that's going to that's going to solve that. I'm Al Condalusi. Uh, I'm with Jeff Fromneck from Side Project uh, Incorporated. Side Project is a is a wonderful uh, legal support uh, available to individuals and organizations. Uh, um, uh, I'm also here today with uh, Jamie Curran, who's with Community Living Mississauga, one of the uh, most outstanding. Uh, support systems for folks with disabilities located in Mississauga, Ontario. Uh, I'm Al Condalusi, uh, and uh, you're listening to You Can Call Me Al, podcast uh, episode three. 
Thanks so much again. Look forward to talking with you or hearing from you down the path.